I'm here with Rhodes Scholar, former NBA basketball player, former congressman, and the current president, CEO of Lead One Association. How are you doing today, Tom McMillan? I'm good, thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I know, um, I think you grew up in Mansfield, Pennsylvania, is that correct? I did, yeah. And uh, by 1970, you were the number one high school basketball player in the country. Uh, Sports Illustrated at the time called you the most sought-after player since Lou Alcindor. Hmm. Yes, I, I recall that crazy period. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to uh, go to the University of Maryland and play for Lefty Drizzle? Well, that's a long story, but, you know, I had been heavily recruited by lots of schools, and uh, I was leaning towards Carolina. I really enjoyed Coach Smith, Dean Smith, and his staff, and I thought the school was great. Um, but I was also very interested in Virginia and Maryland. Uh, I had connections to both, and my brother went to Maryland. Uh, the coach of Virginia had coached in my hometown before, so I knew all of them very well. So it was more than just a personal decision. There was a lot of a lot of family involved and so forth. And um, my father was ill my senior year, and uh, you know he will always loved to watch me play, and so. We were in Pennsylvania. It was a lot closer for him to see me play at Maryland than it would be at Carolina. So in the long run, I decided to, to go to Maryland uh, for several reasons. One, my father. Secondly, I thought it was an opportunity to build a program from scratch. They'd never had one really before. A third, my brother was there. And fourth, I thought it would be fun to be near our nation's capital. I had been appointed uh, by President Nixon as the youngest presidential appointee ever on the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports. And so being near our nation's capital had appeal to me as well. So I ended up with the very last minute uh, switching and, 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 and going to Maryland. So, And um, I was reading about, like, you know, uh, some of the recruiting experiences. I guess, like, uh, Virginia had actually arranged for you to meet Lyndon B. Johnson. No, it was actually West Virginia. West. It was my sophomore year, and I was visiting West Virginia, and Bucky Waters, the coach, uh, was driving me around campus, and he said, Tom, would you like to meet the president? I said, I'd love to meet the president of the university, and he said, no, I mean the president of the United States. So LBJ was flying into Morgantown with, him, uh, with a local congressman, and I went out to the airport and, and had a chance to meet him, so it was pretty thrilling. Definitely. That's, that's amazing. You uh, also were a member of uh, the 1972 Olympic basketball team that lost a, a controversial gold medal game to the Soviet Union. Uh, on the game's final play, you backed off Alexander Bolov uh, before the pass because of the language barrier. I guess you misunderstood the Bulgarian referee's hand signal, uh, thinking you would be called for a technical foul if you crowded Alexander Bolov, thus creating a lane for what's been known as uh, the golden pass. Well, first of all, I, we don't really feel that we lost that game because uh, we refused to accept our medals here 50 years later. We still haven't accepted the silver medal. So that up, outcome in our eyes is still up in the air. What happened was I was on the play, and international rules are pretty clear about it. When there's room in the back, the pass is supposed to go back, not the guy that's guarding to the, the line. I had every right to be on the line. So I don't care what the, uh, the uh, Bulgarian official was saying uh, years later. 
you don't make that kind of motion on the line. I wasn't going over it. I wasn't leaning over it. Uh, if, if the passer needed more room, they should have backed up. They had all the room in the world to back up to make that pass. That was not on me. That was on, on the Soviet. But the fact of the matter is that he was doing it, you know, made me wonder whether he was going to could call a technical foul. So uh, the truth of the matter is, if he had backed up, it wouldn't have made a difference. He would have had a clear pass anyway. So uh, most international players would, would take the ball, back up a couple steps, clear the way, and make a pass without the player on the line even affecting it. So, um, so that's kind of what happened there. Most definitely. And um, after graduating from Maryland in 1974, you were drafted by the Buffalo Braves with the ninth pick of the NBA draft. Uh, you signed with the Braves, but uh, postponed your entry into the NBA to attend the University of Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar. Well, it was a little different order. I ended up going over to Oxford. I had won a Rhodes Scholarship. Um, I was the only one, first one from the University of Maryland. Uh, and uh, I ended up not signing a contract with the NBA immediately. I went to play with an Italian team. Right. in Bologna. So I commuted from Oxford's oftentimes twice a week, played basketball in Italy, played 50-some games. Then I came back to the NBA the next year. Uh, while I was at Oxford, we negotiated an agreement uh, with the Buffalo Braves, who was owned, by the way, from a, by a person from my hometown of Mansfield. So I ended up signing with the Braves, even though I was being courted by the ABA. One of the reasons I came from, back from Oxford because the program was two years, I came back after one year, was because the NBA and ABA were merging, and I would have lost some bargaining power. So I ended up going back to Oxford in the summers to finish my third year, second year there. So it took me four years to finish two at Oxford, but I did finish. Wow. And uh, I guess education was very important. Like, you know, growing up, you were obviously an amazing student you know, uh, and the student athlete, like, you know, what would be your advice to like, you know, uh, student athletes, like, you know, about balancing, you know, their studies and academics? Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you look at college or even high school, I mean, it's 1% or, what, or less of these kids are going to have a chance to really monetize their skills in any meaningful way. And so they're going to need another skill and that skill is going to have to last them a lifetime. And so that's why it's so important for them to get an education. I mean, the money is so big. If you make it today, it's pretty good. You're probably set for life. But very few athletes have that opportunity. And so they need to have a backup plan. It's like an insurance plan. And education is that insurance plan. Most definitely. Um, you played for 11 years in the NBA. You played for uh, a number of NBA teams. I most notably remember you being on the Washington Bullets uh, with your teammates, Manute Bowl and Jeff Malone. Uh, what was your greatest memories of playing in the NBA? Well, I have a lot of memories. You know, I enjoyed playing for the uh, the New York Knicks for a year. Playing in New York is a great thrill. I remember my first game in the Garden. I barely had gotten into town, and I, I I didn't know even know the plays. And I had I think 19 points and 18 rebounds or something like that. That was kind of thrilling in Madison Square Garden. And then to play for Ted Turner in Atlanta, who was such a an exciting entrepreneur, was was a terrific opportunity. And then to come back, to get traded back to Washington. Literally, Ted Turner traded me back to Washington so I could start preparing for a political career. 
And probably the most notable thing was that when I, my last year in the NBA, that 1985-86 uh, season, I played that whole season uh, after having announced as a candidate for Congress before the season. So I ran as a candidate for Congress uh, <coughs> while I was in the NBA. And uh, no athlete's ever done that. I don't think they ever will again. Right. Um, so you, you had, like, you know, it pretty much planned that you were going to be pursuing a career in politics, like after you left the NBA. Like, you know, what was it, uh, you know, that made you decide to, to go that route? Well, when I was in Maryland, I was very, you know, interested in politics. I was involved in student government. I was on a presidential commission. Um, I went to Oxford. I did. I was a chemistry major in college. I studied politics, philosophy, and economics at uh, at Oxford. Then I came back and I played with the Knicks. And you know, Bill Bradley was on that team. The next year, he retired and ran for the Senate. And I said, "Well, maybe there's an opportunity to do something like that as well." So I started planning for it. And uh, as I got near the end of my career, I I just you know I had bought a house in Maryland where I went to school and. And I was preparing to run. So I ran and, and won. I barely won, but I won. So it all worked out. Yeah, you were uh, elected in 1986. And uh, one of the more interesting things I saw on the internet is that in 1992, you went to Mar-a-Lago with uh, Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. You were like at a party? <laughs> well, I didn't go. I, mean, I ended up being at a party where they were all there. Uh, <clears throat> actually, it was... Uh, some of the Trump people invited me. I was, I, I forget, I was vacationing in uh, Florida and I, I was invited. I mean, there were hundreds of people there, um, but it was sort of an NFL party. It was on a Sunday afternoon, something NFL related. But uh, so I ended up going there with my girlfriend and really uh, <clears throat> that's pretty much the extent of it. Right. Like, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, sometimes and stuff, the media, like, you know, does things for clicks and, you know, obviously like something that you were there for, like, you know, just a moment's time, uh, like, you know, gets blown out of proportion and stuff and everything to include your name. And, you know, uh, were you kind of like, you know, disappointed by that? Well, I mean, it's the meltdown of the press sometimes, you know, if I had to look at every party I've been to over my 60 some years on this planet and some of the people that have been at those parties, I probably, you know, there's probably many stories to write. So it sort of was a story of the moment, but ultimately, you know, I was there with my girlfriend. I went to, uh, you know, Mar-a-Lago was transitioning to a private club. So they were getting, trying to get a lot of people there to look at it and to see what was it all, what, what it was all about. So, I mean, it's just part of the press cycle. Uh, tomorrow uh, marks the 20th uh, anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Uh, President Biden withdrawal from Afghanistan is taking a toll on his approval ratings. Uh, do you think that Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan makes the country safer? Well, listen, I've been over there. I went there when I was in Congress and uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan. And, you know, it's a rough part of the world. And, you know, no country has really fared what there well. Uh, the British didn't. The Soviets didn't. And the United States uh, needed to move on. It was a 20-year ordeal. And I think the, the real way we need to protect ourselves around the globe is to have these anti-terrorism task force that can move quickly into countries where there are threats. Um, but to have permanent stationed troops in countries uh, all over the planet is almost impossible right now. So 
we have to be strategic. I do think it was the right decision. I think the American people were tired of it. There was no easy way to get out. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's just sometimes uh, war and unwinding of war can be very messy. And it's just tragic that uh, we had 13 soldiers lose their life. But, you know, I think it's time to move on. Uh, we have pressing concerns here in this country. And we can still ensure our security by, you know, the technology and the global terrorism efforts that we have globally around the planet. Thank you uh, so much for joining me. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to uh, speak with you over Zoom. And uh, I hope to speak with you again. You'll come back and, and chat with me again. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Nice to be with you, Ryan. Thank you very much. Welcome.